the question that gets asked all the time is what is the best way? And like I'm doing this in air quotes if you're just listening, but the best way is going to be the system that is easy enough for you to maintain on a regular basis. If that means you're not decanting everything and you've got everything in the cardboard boxes, don't worry about it, babe. Don't worry about it. You're doing a great job. Mama! Let's reimagine mom life together. Mama House Schools is your hub for relatable support and helpful resources that help you fuel yourself alongside motherhood. Your identity is bigger than mom, and whatever your goals are, together we're making them a reality. I think everyone has a different version of what their perfect home or their perfect organization system is. But overall, at the core, I think a system and a something is really necessary for the highest level versions of our success and ourselves. And having an expert help you figure out what that is for you is really amazing and really nice because it is hard to figure it out. Are you a clear box person? Are you a solid box person? Do you need to declutter or do you need to organize? And our guest today, Carly Adams, is the owner of Tidy Revival. And she talks about how she went from what she calls her own cluttered self at the end of her 20s. And not just clutter in her home, but physical, emotional, financial. She talks about how she felt like she was never going to get her finances under control and how that transpired into her creating Tidy Revival and helping families, women, and even men get their lives organized and go from overwhelm and decluttered into the next steps. And when I first was like, I need to figure my life out, that's where it started for me too. And we talk a little bit about that today is how I knew I needed to get a couple things in order and what that foundational organization and decluttering meant for me. So As Carly says, she was a former hot mess to home organizer. And today we talk about what is the difference between decluttering and organizing? How do you work through things that have sentimental value or things that have been passed down that maybe you don't see value in, but others do? We also talk about how you need to implement systems for a whole family, that it has to work for everyone in your household and not just you. So how do you do that when maybe you have a difference of opinions? We also talk about how to get organized on a budget and what the next steps are. And what do you do when you're completely overwhelmed, when you don't even know the first step to take? Because we've probably all been there where you start organizing and decluttering and you feel like it's worse than when you got started. And then how do you keep this stuff out? Maybe it's for you. And how do you set boundaries for yourself so you don't bring more things back in that you don't need? And how do you do that for family members, especially if people are giving to your kids? And how do you let life still be fun and playful without just gathering so many things that you don't need? We walk through so much to have a clutter-free home in this episode. I hope that you enjoy. Carly, I'm so excited to have you here. When I woke up in the emergency room and knew I needed to get my life together, the very first thing was decluttering our house. Our house was so unorganized. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to figure out like who I am as a human, I first need to have my space not feel so chaotic. And mm-hmm. I did not know how to get started. And I know you resonate with the term like former hot mess to home organizer. So I would love 100. for you to just bring us up to like, how did you go from that to being a home organizer? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Kelsey. I'm really excited to be here and hopefully share some tips that people can take away. But Yeah, I absolutely resonate with Hot Mess Express. My life used to be chronically disorganized because it was every aspect of my life. My finances were just awful. I was really in debt, student loans, but then also credit card debt. And I didn't have any systems in place of making sure that things got paid on time. So I had a lot of stress about where my bank account was because I was always terrified to look. The mail came. I was just sick to my stomach. And then at home, I didn't have any systems. So I was losing things. I was having to rebuy them. I was spending a lot of money on things that I didn't really need to because I already had 25,000 lip glosses. I didn't need an extra one. Just the list went on and on. And there are so many things in my life that have changed now. Something that I talk about all the time that just resonates with me every single day on why the change has just helped my life so much is even getting ready in the morning. I used to spend like 45 minutes getting ready, had the closet full of nothing to wear and 
was just a really stressful thing every day, figuring out what I was going to wear. After I decluttered, my morning is more like top, bottom, go, top, bottom, go, because everything works and it's streamlined. And I'm looking at the things that fit me this season and are good for the temperature it is outside in ways that are big and small. Things have just been streamlined so that there's less stress in my life because Mm -hmm. that's the overall thing is that disorganization can just be very stressful and getting simple strategies in place to streamline your life will just overall reduce your anxiety and your stress levels. And Yeah. And I love that you're talking about that it's not just like the stuff in our house, like that's a huge part of it, but it's also how you show up in your clothes, how you show like picking your clothes, your mental organization, also your finances, having that organized. It's not just the stuff in your house, but it's just like how you show up. And for a long time, like especially when I stepped into parenting, I would tell people, I am not the minimalist mom. I'm the mom that has this, has these things. And I think there's a really fine balance. Like there is certain things that I love having, knowing I have a solution to whatever situation I'm going to find myself in. But I definitely have teeter-tottered in the past on having too much where it becomes stressful. And Mm -hmm. you just can't be peaceful. You can't be your best self. You can't accomplish the things you want to do in a day when you are just surrounded by stuff. And one thing that was really impactful for me was to learn the difference between decluttering versus organizing. And so I'd Mm -hmm. love for you to debunk that and talk about like that organizing is not decluttering. And while they both have a little bit of value, they're not the same thing. Absolutely. So it's a hand in hand situation, 100 percent. I approach organization with decluttering as the foundation of everything that I do, because what I found is it's twofold. One If you just organize your stuff and I mean, you could categorize it, you could put it in pretty bins, you could slap a label on it. Technically, everything's organized. It's beautiful. You can get that Pinterest perfect whatever room you're looking at, but you're still going to be wading through too much stuff day in, day out. So what I always suggest to people is that we are approaching any space, looking at what you use, want, need and love. And those are ways that we're thinking about what to keep, what to not. And the second half of it, too, is that when I'm looking at a space, when I first became an organizer, I felt all this internal pressure to look at a space and have a solution in my mind. I wanted it to be like the most original thing anyone had ever seen. And what I realized over time quickly is that there was no point in making a plan when I looked at a space because we hadn't realized and chatted through what was important and what was not. And if I'm just looking at a space and making a plan off of that, I will be wrong 100% of the time because I'm not Mm -hmm. taking into consideration the client needs. We haven't chatted through it yet. I'll give one example, totally illustrates it, but this this is something I talk about all the time. Had a client and she had a guest closet that we needed to get organized. And when we opened it up, it was filled with beautiful leather bags. She bought beautiful leather bags like when she would go abroad. She loved shopping for them and she had this beautiful collection. But as we chatted through it, she realized that it turns out she doesn't like using fine leather goods. She likes buying fine leather goods. That's where the joy comes. And she was like, "Okay, actually, I don't need most of these. So we kept maybe five of 25 And she gifted a bunch to her friends. Something else that she loves to do is spend time with her friends, gift her friends things. We donated a bunch to a women's organization, and she had all this extra room. If you're overwhelmed with too much stuff, the first thing that you can do is figure out what you don't use, want, need, and love. And that's going to clear up some space for the things that you do and for what's important. So after we figure out what that is and what it isn't, then from there we're creating solutions that are a lot more simple than if I had just walked in and like assumed on the front end. Yeah. And I love that it's redefining what the purpose of that item was in the sense of did it serve its value? Because her joy and her ability to see out the life of that bag for her was buying it and then maybe gifting mm-hmm. it or giving it to a friend where it doesn't mean you have to get your value out of it. I think allowing yourself to have permission that your definition of the purpose of that item may be different than when you bought it, but also what someone mm-hmm. else sees. So if you say, yep. hey, I bought this bag 
someone else's. That's an expensive bag. And you're like, yep, I just wanted to buy it. And then I want to gift it to someone. You kind of have to give yourself permission for that. As an organizer, what are some of the ways that you support this transition of the meaning that item has served in that person's life? I think that it's so important, first and foremost, to listen to what my clients say and to give them, to your point, the space and the permission to chat through things because not everything is going to be cut and dry and it's not necessarily just keep or not. People need to talk through things frequently. And it's interesting because they'll start talking through it and they'll say, sorry, I just need to talk through that. I'm like, you're fine. This is literally what I do. And there are a lot of items where people have been keeping them out of guilt and obligation. And those deep down are the feelings of why they're keeping it. If you give somebody permission, like if I tell you that it's fine to let this go, do you want to keep it? And they're like, no. Great. Let's let it go. You don't have to keep it. Yeah. And people are like, oh, okay. Yeah. Let's get rid of it. And when you give people that permission, when you give them the space to talk through it, you're able to get to the core of what somebody wants versus what's been put on them by maybe circumstance or society or their mother-in-law or whatever. I think the decluttering in people's space is so tied to our mental well-being and our relationships and so much that I could totally see that. It truly is like a cleansing process. You were touching on this, that there are some things that make that extra difficult. If things have sentimental value, if they've been passed down, you're honoring the history or the family, but you also want to honor yourself, what are some ways to deal with that? I'll give you a tangible example in my life. I've sat down with my mom and I've been like, mom, I understand that you have three sets of china that you think you're giving me, but I do not need three sets of china. And I have to find a way to have that be a solution and work through things where I'm not going to have three sets of china in my house. I just can't do that for my mental well-being. But she has a sentimental value with this and she wants me to, right? She wants, and we've worked through it for us, but that's an example of things that show up in so many people's lives. So how do you honor your family with certain things, but also not let it weigh you down? Yeah, I absolutely suggest to folks when they're in that situation where they can be potentially inheriting things in the future, whether you're thinking long-term down the road or whether you're facing a situation in the moment, I really recommend people tap into those four words. Again, use, want, need, or love. Are you actually going to use it? Do you even want it? Is this something that is important to you? When my grandmother passed away, she had a bedroom set that had a lot of sentimental value for me just because it was the one that she had my entire life and it made me really happy looking at it. And at the time that she passed, I lived in a one bedroom apartment and I said, I'm really hoping to get the tall dresser from her bedroom set. And my parents were like, it is a full set. So we could hold on to the rest of it. And then when you have a larger place, then you could take the full set. I was like, I really appreciate that, but I actually do not want the full set. Like, I'm never going to want a full set. It's also just not my style. And they're like, but it is a full set. And I said, okay, then never mind. Totally understand. But it's all good. I just want the one piece. We ended up working it out. Do have the one piece. (laughs) We were able to find a beautiful home for the rest of it. But boundaries are really part of that, too. And I have met so many people who have had multiple folks in their life pass away maybe in like quick succession, and then they have two to three times the amount of furniture that they need in their home, like at once. Mm -hmm. And that's very stressful. It's very stressful to have way too much furniture in your living space, especially over a long period of time. And I also meet a lot of people who have storage units that they just have indefinitely or garages filled with furniture that they actually are never going to use because they have a household filled with furniture already and there's no intention of ever using it. But what is the point? Getting to the point of why we're holding on to it and then what? Those are questions that are important to ask because maybe if you're in this transition of somebody passing, you're inheriting a lot of items, maybe a storage unit is the right thing right now while you're in the midst of grieving, while you're in the throes of it, while you're doing all the planning, 
I'm not against it. If you are able to also set a deadline, add it to your calendar, circle back, could be a year from now. That's okay. But make sure that you are circling back and reevaluating and saying, okay, now that we have a little bit of distance, let's make a plan. Mm -hmm. Because if the plan is spend $20,000 over the course of the next decade or so on a storage unit for things that you never touch, just think about that. If that's the plan and you're loving the plan, go for it. But if that doesn't sound great to you and you want another way, then it's going to be time to reevaluate what you're keeping, what you're not. And it's hard. Those are the hardest items to chat through, but the chatting through it is really important because just like therapy, that's what's going to take you to the other side of the situation. Yeah. And I love that you talk about the plan because if it just sits there, like you're not really honoring that piece. And if you need some time to grieve and process and then be like, okay, do I want to choose that bed or do I want to choose the bed I already had and be able to pick one or the other? But then once you pick, you let it have another life somewhere else because then it's able to actually be loved and not just sit in a storage unit somewhere. Someone is going to love that piece of furniture and they're mm-hmm. scouring Facebook Marketplace right now for that specific piece and you get to give that piece another life. And I think that's so beautiful. I was actually just in an event this last weekend and one of the speakers was talking about how when we choose how we're going to live our life and just living yourself full out, I like to envision the fact that my ancestors aren't looking down and aren't like, you know what? I hope Crystal has a mediocre life. I hope she just gets by. She was like, I hope my ancestors are sitting up there and they're like, you go, girl. Like, you live it up. You do this. And I think it's the same thing when we think about the things that have been passed down. I don't think my great grandmother is like, Kelsey, I hope that you're extremely stressed out and you just keep my china and you keep that in your house no matter how stressed you are with your stuff. I don't even know how I got that china. And honestly, it doesn't even really matter to me. And you should give it to someone else to play with or use someone that's excited about it. I think like we create these scenarios that someone else is like, you must keep those things. And it's probably not true most of the time. A hundred percent. And I say that all the time. That's a perfect example, especially with gift giving, because when we accept a gift internally, especially the closer the person is, the more we internalize story that doesn't exist. And the story is someone gives it to you and they're like, here is this gift. And now you must keep it until the day you die or else you don't love me. Maybe one person does that. If it's not serving you, here is your permission slip. You can let it go. It's okay. Yeah. And you touched on boundaries. I want to bring that back for a second because there's boundaries about the after the fact or receiving things. And then there's the boundaries of once you receive those gifts like you're talking about. And this is huge for moms, right? Because it is one thing for me to let go of my stuff and explain like why that's not a part of my life. But our community really struggles with this when it's things for our kids, like Mm -hmm. those grandparents that are bringing in. This is a really hard conversation too with gratitude and blessings because if you're in a position that you're receiving things for your children, like we're all very grateful for that, right? Mm -hmm. That is an amazing opportunity that people are loving on our little humans so much that they're bringing things to our kids and our family and they want to do that. But as a mom that has to find a place for it and have an organization and whatnot, that becomes really stressful. So with your clients, how do you find that balance between being like, okay, yes, my kids are going to grow. They're going to need new sizes for clothes. They're going to want new toys. That's a part of growing up in many ways. And it's a blessing. But also you can set some boundaries to be like, hey, like one gift per person, or please don't give me gifts at the birthday party or whatever that is. When you are having boundaries, it is showing yourself love and it's showing your family love. And it's showing your children that boundaries are okay, which is going to be a very important lesson in life. I'm not an expert on boundaries. I am still also reading the books. I'm also in therapy, just like other people, like still trying to learn and implement. So it's a work in progress. Know that. That's great. But I think that the more we can have these conversations with others, especially the folks where you are feeling a lot of tension, it's just important to know that they are not able to read your mind. Just Mm -hmm. like in our marriages and our relationships, that's something that my husband and I joke about all the time. Oh, that's right. Still not a mind reader. Forgot about that. No worries. Here is me communicating what my needs are because you can't read my mind. 
totally forgot about that. My bad. But it is important because they can't. And people are going to gravitate towards their own love language as far as Mm -hmm. what that is. So if their own love language is gift giving, they are going to express it in gifts. That being said, you can do them a big favor by letting them know what types of gifts are particularly helpful. If that is clothing in the next size up around the holidays, if that is experiences, if that's a Zoom membership or pitching in for karate lessons or helping towards their summer camp or whatever the case may be, that's really helpful for the people in your life to know that would be particularly useful. Because once you tell them that, many people are going to say, I obviously want to do the thing that like you're going to love the most because I love gift giving. So people will gravitate towards that. That being said, you are going to have some people who will completely disregard that. And you need to understand that that's fine. You have expressed your boundaries. And if people aren't willing to listen or respect or honor that, you also don't have to just keep everything. It's fine if you express that you absolutely don't want any more toys and then they're gifting you a bunch of toys you don't have to keep the toys yeah or and or and i know it's easy to say like on the front end once your child sees a toy like it's oh and now we're getting rid of it because i told grandma no i know that's a lot harder but you can also work with your children on establishing how many toys is the right number for them there's something that i use with my clients all the time called the numbers rule and this also goes hand in hand with what i call the space rule And that is figuring out the right number of things for you. The space might dictate how much is the right amount. So if it's enough toys that fit in your toy box, if it's enough stuffies that's in the hammock, whatever the case may be, say, okay, as we've already discussed, the amount of space we have to hold is X, Y, Z. So if you end up getting more, you can either choose to keep it or maybe play with it for a week and then we let it go. Or we can switch it out with something that you're not playing with so much. And we can pass that along to a kid who really needs it. What do you think? And give your child autonomy over the choices while still keeping the boundaries for your household with how much is the right amount for you. And the right amount for you may be different than the right amount for me. And that's okay. It's not like everyone should have six shirts. Everyone should have 20 books. It's not like that. You get to dictate what the right amount is for you. Yeah, because we're all different people and we like different things. But I absolutely love that. And something that I tried to come back to, too, for me is that everything has a spot. And that's Mm -hmm. really what you're saying is like with the space and the numbers, if I'm like, okay, I'm going to have this many pairs of shoes once they no longer fit there or once there's no longer a spot to put my shoes or there's no longer a spot to put the kids toys, then there need to be some choices. And then just from the kids standpoint, like psychologically, we know that giving them choices is beneficial to their development and for their autonomy and being able to allow themselves to be little humans to say, hey, you get to make the choice, like whatever you want to do, but you can only have this many. So we got to get rid of two. Pick the two Mm -hmm. that you want to get rid of. And that's your choice and helping them do that. I've seen things where people do like trial periods too, right? Like they'll say, let's pick two for this week to get rid of. And then if the kids really miss that too, you bring them back in and they switch out for another two. But you give them like a time frame. You say, okay, by the end of this month, we're going to be getting rid of two of these. So you're going to have to pick this month which two you want to get rid of. And that can be a little overwhelming, I think, at first. But with any of this, having systems really benefits this, right? And so if you get in the practice of being like, okay, we only have this many of these things in this space, we know we have too much mail in our mail holder. We have to go through our mail. We have too many shoes. We have too many stuffies, whatever it is. That's the system of how you keep track of things. What are some other systems that people can implement in their home so it's less overwhelming and becomes more practical and practice of how they're just living their life? I really do agree with you that the awareness of how much you have and having some boundaries around that, that's huge because Going through the decluttering process, the point at which things click, once people tell me things like, someone recently told me, oh, I went on vacation, and I don't know if this is a good or bad thing, but every time I went to the store, I was thinking to myself, okay, am I going to want this in six months? She's like, and I blame you, honestly. I blame you for that. So thank you, I think, but I'm honestly not sure. And I was like, 
Or somebody else recently is like, yeah, every time that I'm at the store, I'm thinking about what purpose is this going to serve longer than I think it's really cute and I want to bring it home right now. And that's when everything clicks. Like once you have those moments where you're thinking about the future and not just, oh, cute, get it, then that's what's going to be able to help you to maintain your systems long term. I could talk endlessly about a lot of different types of systems in different places, but I think that most of it really boils down to how much space am I willing to allot for this and being cognizant of when things are starting to feel a little more chaotic and being like, okay, it's time to thin it out. If your closet is stressing you, okay, maybe it's time to do a little closet detox. If your shoes are starting to pile up and pile out, this is just one example, but recently in a client's home, we were looking to implement one main area where we could have a lot of what the family needed to just get started with their day and just streamline things from having hooks for the backpacks or cubby or whatever the space is to the family calendar to this is where my keys go, my purse, areas for shoes. And something that we noticed, they're like, we do have these shoe systems, but they just keep getting really chaotic. And something that's hard in their house is that there's upstairs and downstairs. But at the end of the day, they mostly wear six pairs of shoes each. And Mm -hmm. so what we're going to do is implement a system where each family member will have space for six pairs of shoes. And then the ones that aren't used as frequently, they're going to go in their closets because we Mm -hmm. can make room for them. And even though it's an upstairs, downstairs situation, if they're hardly using it, it doesn't need to be taking up a bunch of bandwidth in the spaces where they are using things all the time. That's a system I have at home with my shoes too. I have the spot where we have the commonly used shoes. And then in my closet, I had, well, mostly had because I recently detoxed my heels. I decided that I'm over it. <laughs> Just purged like all yeah. of my heels. But <laughs> I have like cute acrylic shoe boxes so I can see my nice dressy shoes and have the handbags I almost never wear in cute clear bins so that I can see them, but they're not getting dusty constantly. And it's a pared down collection, but when I need it, it's there, it's dust free, it's ready to go. And it makes me very happy. That's the basis of it is just making sure that when things start to feel chaotic, that you have the foundation that you can go back to to streamline and like reset your systems. Yeah. One of the things that you reminded me of going back a little bit is it comes back to those four words that you keep saying that use, want, need, love. But what is the purpose that this is going to serve? And I think, again, my brain goes to like little kids, but there are certain things that are going to serve like a 20 minute purpose, like Mm -hmm. face painting or whatever else that it's going to be a memory you're going to have. It's not going to serve this long term purpose. There is this really fine balance between that, right? Because sometimes you may be, quote unquote, wasting that money or getting that thing that isn't going to serve a long purpose. And other times there's a better solution. And it reminded me of we recently took our kids to Disney on ice. It was something that we asked for experience gifts this year for our kids. We said, we don't want things. We need experience gifts. And that we had a grandparent listen and they got us tickets for Disney on ice for birthday and Christmas. It was great. Now, of course, you get to if you haven't been to something like this with kids or family member, there's all these vendors with all these things walking around, all these things that the kids are very attracted to and want that are going to serve a very small purpose in life. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these like light up wands and things like this. And so the kids are like, I want a light up wand. I want this. I want to go. And I was like, okay, let's go look and see what there is. And before we went to Disney on Ice, I was asking our kids, who are you most excited to see? What's your favorite character? And to be honest, we don't watch a ton of Disney movies or Disney shows. So I was actually really curious to see what they were going to say. But in this moment, it was Toy Story. He was so excited to see Toy Story and Buzz and Woody. And I was like, okay, cool. So we go and we look at the little vendor toys. And there's all these light up wands. And that's what most of the kids are getting. Most of the kids are walking away with these light up wands. And that was the first thing our oldest was like, I want one of those. And I was like, okay, we don't really have a long term purpose for that. Is there anything else that looks really cool to you? Do you like any of the other toys? And he's like, what if we got Buzz? 
And I was like, you know what? I can stand behind that. One, it was almost a third of the cost of a light-up wand. And I'm like, okay, this is something that's small. I know exactly where it's going to go. It's something he can play with ongoing. And to me, it serves more of the memory of why we're there because he talked about it going into it. And so it felt like a parenting win. I'm not going to lie. I was like, this is great. And then the little one was like, I want one. And so now we have Buzz and Woody and they get to trade off and they get to play. Mm -hmm. And it's perfect. Now, then there's vendors that are all the food, right? And they're walking around and they want all these other things. And in the moment, yeah, I splurged on a milkshake for him to be super excited and he gets that. But it's not the souvenir cup that I'm going to carry home with me. And it allows me to find places where I'm like, okay, where am I saying yes for right now so that we are having that memory and maybe that thing that we're taking home with us. But I'm shifting my choices a little bit so that I don't have a light up wand that batteries died the next day that I'm carrying with me. And no offense if you're listening, you're like, I always buy the light up wand. That's great. But that doesn't bring me joy. So I was able to find a shift. What is another way that shows up for you less about kids, but as a human, like as an adult, what are some decisions that you make differently when your place is now? Okay. So we just got back from vacation. I know I told you before we started recording, this is like my first meeting back. (laughs) So we're coming back and I'm an auntie to seven. So we had a a lot of kids that we wanted to like buy cute things for. And we want to share some fun cultural things with them too, right? And one of my sisters started this because her husband is from Peru. So they go back to Peru like fairly regularly. And when they come back, they always bring snacks, which is great because it's like you're getting to taste something from a different Mm. culture and it's new and exciting. And then it's done. (laughs) It's not a bunch of stuff in your house. So we brought (laughs) in Japan, they have like Kit Kats. And we heard other people ahead of us in immigration, we were coming back in. Oh, did you buy anything? They're like, I got a lot of Kit Kats. Totally us. Not going to lie. It was just like all the flavors of Kit Kats and some other different snacks too. But that's the bulk of what we brought back. We did bring back some small gifts. We ended up getting like three change purses. And then we have change that's left over from Japan, which is fun and exciting. Yeah. So we'll put change in each of the change purses too for the kids to play with. Bulk of what we generally bring back for ourselves and for others is either edible or something you can use up, different foods, bring back coffee from other places for folks, chocolates. And another gift I end up giving a lot to folks is a local candle vendor that I use. They do custom refills. So you can do whatever scent you want and then refill old candles. And so then I'll just refill them and give those to people. And yeah, basically things that you can use up is what I generally am trying to think of. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it's so much intentional, more intentional too, right? Where you're not just, oh, I'm bringing this back because I bought you something. It's I'm bringing this back because I've thought through the use case of it, or I was reminded of you when I saw this, like having more meaning behind it, not just, oh, I bought you something to say I bought you something. Like I absolutely hate when people buy me things so I could open something. I'm like, I would much rather us just go on a walk together than you just give me something. And I think it comes back to, like you said, your love language and what that is. And my mom and I, I'm going to tell her to listen to this episode and be like, it was all about you. I'm just kidding. But she loves to buy our family things. And one year she was like, what do you want for Christmas? And I was like, I want a 9 by 13 Pyrex pan. And she's like, you are so boring to buy things for. And I was like, that's all I want. That's the only thing that's on my list right now. And so she listened and I was like, doesn't it give you joy knowing that's really all I want? And more recently, she sent me a link from Amazon and I was like, what are you buying us from Amazon? But when she was here last time, she was like, what are the things that you need for the kids? I was like, honestly, the only thing I wish we had for the kids right now were solid socks that were both their sizes that didn't have to be matched by the different colors. And that's all I want. And so then a week later, black socks show up for the kids. And I was like, I'm just so happy you're listening. I will be honest. I don't think it gives her the same joy (laughs) for her picking out her same things. But we try to have a balance. And I think just having those really clear conversations. What are some of the ways that you guide your clients to do that, to have those conversations if it doesn't come as naturally to them? Or what are some ways you've done it yourself? So that one's really hard, right? Because sometimes I feel like you do end up getting into kind of this therapy adjacent, Mm -hmm. friend adjacent thing. And talking to people 
about the tough stuff for them is tricky, right? But I think it's important to have these conversations. And so I feel very honored to be able to help folks guide those conversations and those changes in their life. The thing that I suggest for folks as they're starting is to just be open about where they're at and their journey. So a great place to start is instead of waiting until December 1st, say you celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, instead of waiting till December 1st and then going to the grandparents and saying, hey, listen, I know usually you give me too many toys and like you need to stop. Instead of approaching things from that point of view, maybe in October when someone says, how are you doing? You can say things like, you know what? We are on this decluttering journey right now and we are just having so much fun with it. And it's just really helping us streamline things. But we're just kind of in this new mindset of experiences over getting new physical things. And it's really been making a big impact in our life. When you are sharing your journey in that way, it can set the tone. And then when people are asking you about it or when it comes time to let people know, then you can reference that and say, hey, you know how I mentioned that we've been on this decluttering journey this year? It has me really thinking about the holidays. So I just wanted to reach out to the grandparents and let you know that this holiday season, we're hoping for X, Y, Z. And the invitation to be part of it is going to come across so much better than if you come at somebody in like attack mode in the same way. And it comes up a lot is when people say, what about my partner? My partner's not on the same page as me. That's a lot harder too, because you live in the same house. And I always liken it to if you had started a fitness journey, if you say to your partner, hey, I have decided that I'm gonna go to the gym and also I think that you are not looking so good. So you should come with me and it's because you need to change. That's not gonna go over as well as if you are on this journey and they see how much fun you're having and then they say, wow, it sounds like you're having a lot of fun. And you say, I am having a lot of fun. You know what? I would love if you wanted to join me one of these days, we could have fun together. That feels a lot different than accusatory. Mm -hmm. And so it's really about inviting people in versus being on the defensive mode, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you just reminded me, my husband and I rarely do gifts for each other. It's really more of a surprise and delight if we're thinking of each other. There's something we wanted, and that works really great for our relationship. But something that I love is when holidays do come up or there's things that we're celebrating, we have a conversation about how do we want to celebrate? We would much rather share an experience together than just exchange a gift. We're doing that as a couple, but with you just sharing that, it also reminded me with the grandparents, I think that's how they got into the transition for the experiences is they noticed we started doing more experiences with our kids and taking pictures. And they're like, I want to go with you guys to the zoo. Can we go to the zoo? Mm -hmm. And then I was like, yeah, sure. Why don't we not do gifts or we do one small gift and then let's go to the zoo as a family. And of course, there's limitations with maybe how mobile people are, what you can do. But there's a lot of really cool things that you can do. We took our great, great, not great, one great grandma to a children's museum and she got to watch the kids there. And I think it's just being in this creative mindset of how could we do this and this would feel Mm -hmm. good. But that being said, I actually want to transition back a little bit to being overwhelmed because all of this stuff we're talking about is great in concept, right? But then you get overwhelmed and you're just like, I don't know, this sounds overwhelming. I don't want to have these conversations. I don't know how to take action. So what is the first step that someone can take when they're like, I have a lot of stuff. I feel overwhelmed. I'm always getting new stuff. What is the first step to do to declutter? Yeah, I love it. Okay, feels counterintuitive, but just go with me. First step, you can take a deep breath. And sometimes I end up starting sessions with a little bit of a sit down, like we're sitting down, we're chatting. We do a little bit of breath work. If I can tell that they're particularly frantic on a day, I might suggest that we just start with a few deep breaths maybe a little water break while I set up and then, okay, let's get started. Because it's really hard to come into the process while you're feeling frantic. And there have been studies that have been done on the link between clutter and your cortisol levels. They are scientifically linked and it's not just in your head. Clutter is stressful. So I suggest to folks maybe sit down with a piece of paper and pencil 
and a nice beverage, preferably something with water in it. And you can just hydrate a little and think about the area, I would say up to three. Think about the spaces in your home that are stressing you the F out. What is stressing you out the most? And we're going to list those bonus points if it's a space that helps you. Because especially as busy parents, your natural inclination is to think about everybody else and their needs before your own. And so if there is a space that can help you specifically in the day-to-day, and I'm just going to say it, and not necessarily everybody else, but putting yourself first and putting on that oxygen mask on first, getting that space in order is going to give you the inspiration and help with that snowball effect of wanting you to work in other spaces. If your space feels particularly sentimental or has a lot of those especially tough decisions, then maybe start in some place that's easier and less sentimentally driven. For some people, that could be a place like a pantry or a bathroom generally has less sentimental items. But depending on your traumas and things, sometimes those spaces can be especially difficult. So everybody knows when they're going through their spaces what's going to be a little less emotional for them. And that can be an easier place to start. Decluttering is like flexing a muscle. So as you go, you get stronger and stronger. So starting with the easy things can be a good way to be like, okay, I'm getting into decision mode. So basically, I want you to start, I want you to make a list of the three spaces. And as you're writing it down, even leave some space. So one, leave some space. Two, leave some space. Number three. Then I want you to break down in those spaces what is bugging you, but into teeny tiny little spots. So say in your bedroom, Instead of working on the bedroom as a whole, I want you to work on your bedside table as one underneath your bed, the foot, the pile at the foot of your bed, all the clothes on that chair. Break your section down into spots. Break your dresser down into different chunks, like maybe one drawer at a time, because it's going to be so much easier for you to declutter one small space in 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. maybe a post bedtime, pre before you go to bed. It's When you can break it down into small chunks that you can easily fit into your schedule and cross that off your list, you're going to be more inclined to be like, okay, actually, you know what? That wasn't so bad. Now I can do it again tomorrow. And so breaking it down into the teeny tiny little chunks is going to be key. I also suggest having accountability, somebody that you can talk to about it, someone you can set goals with. Online groups can be helpful, a friend, just basically having people that can cheer you on because it can get really discouraging and having the support even in forms of podcasts while you're decluttering, listening to inspirational podcasts and things, it can be more helpful than you realize along the way. Yeah, I love that. So we've talked a lot about the mindset behind decluttering. and We've talked a lot about just how to take action on yourself, your spaces, whatnot. But so often when people go to organize or declutter, the first thing they think of is a clear bin. And so before we wrap up today, I'd love to talk about how so many people don't even get started because they're like, I don't want to spend $20 per bin to be able to just make my house look good. And a part of that is clear bins aren't for everyone's mind. Not Mm -hmm. everyone's brain likes to see clear bins. I am one of the people I love clear bins, but that's not for Mm -hmm. everyone. So I'd love for you to just talk about the cost of you don't need to spend thousands of dollars to get organized and your version of organizing may not be the same as someone else's. 100%. And like the big mistakes that I see people make when they get started decluttering and organizing. Number one is starting at the store because to my point earlier, until you've decluttered a space, you're not going to be exactly sure on what you need and what you don't need. So I highly recommend decluttering first because then you're going to be able to see more clearly what systems are actually going to be helpful to you. Going back to the instance with my client and all of her leather goods, if I had looked at my space and made a plan around that, I would have a bunch of purse storage that we wouldn't have ended up using. So I'm glad that we start with decluttering and then make a plan from that. So as you're decluttering, these are just like some tips that I use when I'm decluttering like super fast. I always have three bins with me with my clients. Mine are trash cans that I've labeled and just stack and bring to all the sessions. But one is trash, one's recycling, and one is donations. So as you're grabbing an item, you can keep or not. And if it's not, is it trash, recycling, donation? If it's a keep, 
then I suggest categorizing as you keep. So in a kitchen, that might mean, okay, putting all your spatulas together and all the little utensils. It could mean putting all of your coffee cups together, all of your plates, whatever the case may be. In a bedroom, that could be, okay, I'm putting my shorts together. I'm putting all my sweaters together and that sort of thing. Then when you have your keeps, you see how much you have. So at that point, you might see, oh, wow, I have 25 pairs of black skinny jeans. Is that the right number for me? And for some people, that's a yes. And for other people, they're like, holy crap, how did I get so many black pairs of skinny jeans? And so then you can look at that and say, okay, what's the right, what's the right number for me? Maybe that's 10 or whatever the case may yeah. be. Again, the right number is going to be up to you. From there, you can make a plan. Once you have a plan, kind of an idea in mind, then you can measure your space. Then you can shop for what you need. So then when you're shopping, you're actually going to use that stuff. Getting back to your point, it's like emotional ergonomics. Like you have to go with what feels good and what feels right to the way that works for your brain. Case in point, I had a client I was working with. This was a few months ago and she's a teenager and she has ADHD. So we were working on her room because we wanted to create systems that she was going to be more likely to keep up. And she had a closet system, but we just needed to tweak it a little bit in the way that it was presented and yeah. just the flow and where the shelves were and this sort of thing. And then we needed to get some bins. And we were talking about bins. Her mom had shown me an example video of a closet that she really liked. And we watched it with the daughter too. And she noted, oh, I really like those bins that they have in the video because they have little slits in them, but it's also mostly solid. So it won't be distracting because my closet is open. She's like, for me, that would work better because I think that the clear bins are going to be too distracting to me while I'm trying to get my homework done. And I'm like, fantastic. And since I am a dork, I know exactly what bins those are. So let's just go ahead and get those bins. So we did and they work great. We've got labels on them. And because she had that buy-in on what's going to work best for her and had that input, she's kept it up longer than she's kept up systems in the past, which is amazing. Organization's not a one size fits all. So, yeah. you know, it's counterproductive because then you're looking at things and you're like, oh, I implemented the system. Like, why do I not feel better? Why do I feel more distracted? Why does my room yeah. not feel good? And it's yeah. that system just might not be for you. That doesn't mean you should go back to clutter, but that means that you look at a different system. Yeah. A place that this comes into play, two quick examples. One is with the trend right now of decanting everything in your pantry. People mm -hmm. send me Kardashian pantries and stuff. And they're like, oh, this is so beautiful. And yes, it is. And you also just need to remember that this person has a staff member who decants everything as it comes in and makes it like beautiful and perfect. As busy people, as busy parents, most people don't want to spend the time to decant all the crackers as they come in. Now, yeah. if you do, more power to you. Do it. The question that gets asked all the time is, what is the best way? And like I'm doing this in air quotes if you're just listening, but the best way is going to be the system that is easy enough for you to maintain on a regular basis. If that means you're not decanting everything and you've got everything in the cardboard boxes, don't worry about it, babe. Don't worry about it. You're doing a great job. Yeah. You're doing great. And the other example I was going to give is in my own drawer that has like my socks, underwear, bras, and then a few nightgowns that I use all the time. I still have shoe boxes in there. Not like the acrylic nice shoe boxes, the ones that my shoes came in from yeah. wherever because it fits really well. Everything's divided how I need it and it hasn't broken. So I've been using these shoe boxes for five years and I'm like, you know what? No shame because if it ain't yeah. broke, don't fix it. Yeah. And it doesn't need to cost a ton to be a system that can work if it works for you. Yeah, so good. All right, as we wrap up, that's a great transition. I didn't realize how affordable it was to get an organizer to support you and be a part mm. of your life. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how people can connect with you, where they can find you on the internet and social media, and just having that fact of how they can reach out to you because... I think so often people hear this and they're like, gosh, that just sounds so overwhelming or I'm not sure where to start. Carly also has a page in the Mama House Goals app that can help get you started. Really, if you're looking to take that next step, don't be scared to ask, what would that look like? 
and that you can also do virtual consultations. So many people think that you need to have the home edit come into your house and redo your entire house in rainbow books. And that's beautiful and great if that's the way you want your house to look. But there is an in-between and you can get a little bit of support without having to have this whole like staff member and organizing and all of that. So I just want to also just debunk that for anyone listening is there's all different levels of support, whether you take action from this podcast, which I hope you do because there's so much value here. Then you can tap into some of the free resources Carly has in the app, her own podcast. You can share about some of the other ways they can tap in and then get on a consultation, get on a virtual consultation and or in person if you're in the Sacramento area. But if you are virtual, tap in and be like, hey, I have this one specific thing that's really stressing me out or my whole house is stressing me out. But Mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, you can really help them identify a win. You can say, all right, let me help you guide what your win would be when it comes to decluttering and organizing. So how can they work with you? Where can they find you? Yeah, thank you so much. So you can find me online at tidyrevival.com. I'm on all the socials at tidyrevival as well. Facebook, Instagram is probably our biggest one. Pinterest, ton of resources there and TikTok as well. As far as ways to work with me, we do have a number of price points. Some folks really do want that hands-on organization. So I'm in client homes every week working alongside of them and helping. It's mostly working with people to give them the skills so that they can move forward on their own versus a done-for-you situation. Everybody works a little bit different. But again, my folks are generally overwhelmed with too much stuff. So we want to work on how to reduce it and how to have that skill set and that toolkit they can take with them later. I do work with folks online only as well. So if people want to work together to create an action plan and then have an accountability partner so that they can check in on what they've done, where they're stuck, chat through it um, and figure out simple solutions that are going to work for them in their home. I work with folks on an ongoing basis in that way or a one-time strategy session just to check in about what is stressing you out and how you can make the changes. And we talk about possible systems that you can implement as well. And then we do have a private community, which is the most affordable way to work with us. And we are currently revamping that and it'll be relaunching early summer this year. That is so exciting. And so when you hear this go live, it'll be right around that time frame. And I think that's so amazing because obviously at Mama Has Goals, we're big advocates for community. And how important Mm -hmm. it is to have people working on the same goals as you. So allowing yourself to be connected. Carly, thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to see what that community evolves to. Can't wait to check in with you for myself for some new decluttering and organization. I need to up-level some things. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Kelsey. It was great chatting with you. You, your story, and what you have to offer this world fills me up. I want to meet you. Join me on Instagram at this is Kelsey Smith and let's create a ripple effect for mamas with goals. Together is better.